0: This is a Radio.com original.
1: This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNXRadio.com studios in Los Angeles.
0: And I'm Mike Simpson, primary source for the spread of the virus over the last few months. It hasn't been bars or clubs because most of them have been closed or restaurants, really. It's been within families, whether, though, what seems like uh, safe gatherings or simply one family member unknowingly getting sick and then bringing it back to others. COVID-19 definitely striking close to home these days. We will talk about that.
1: Drug company Pfizer announcing more results of the trials of its coronavirus vaccine now says the shots are 95 percent effective, putting it on par with trials for the Moderna vaccine.
0: The face mask debate, it continues. A study out of Denmark casting doubt on the idea that masks protect you rather than the people around you. Uh, Why also after all these months are we still going back and forth on this?
1: Plus Google Maps adjusting to this pandemic era. It's releasing new tools to give you the latest data on how many coronavirus cases your neighborhood is seeing. It can even help you decide whether to go to your grocery store with real-time information on how busy it is.
0: Speaking of technology, Zoom wants to help you celebrate Thanksgiving safely. It's getting rid of the time limit for the free meetings on the holiday.
1: Let's first start with the story of one family that should be a cautionary tale for all families across the country. It just takes one member of the family who has the coronavirus but doesn't know it, and it can quickly and easily spread through your family, putting elderly members at risk.
0: That's what happened to Greg Mills. He was a longtime reporter at a CBS television here in Los Angeles. So Greg, take us through what happened.
2: Well, what happened was last night, got a text from my mom, She's 92 years old and and is very adept at texting and and uses emojis too. Anyhow shocked me when she said, I tested positive for COVID-19. I go, what? And so I called her and she goes, I feel fine now. But she said, me, your sister, your brother, and three other family members um, who all live under separate roofs uh, came down with COVID-19. They were tested uh, last Friday, got the results last night. Three of them have uh, endured symptoms last week, more so than this week, including my mom. And then uh, three are enduring pretty serious uh, symptoms this week, but not uh, hospitalized. And there's two more people under my sister's roof who have not tested positive. So I'm I'm hoping that they don't, but the odds are are not in their favor. But what a shock last night. I I was just stunned when she sent this to me. And I speak to my mom, 92 years old. I mean, she's, you know, she, she has the the problems that most 92 years old year old people have, but she's not heavy. She eats well and she's very good at at uh, taking precautions and uh, she exercises regularly. I was just shocked, even though she's 92. And uh, but her symptoms. I finally called her this morning and I said, what were the symptoms for you? And for her, she said she coughed so severely that her ribs ached. And also, she had a fever, a small fever last year, last week, and just very congested. So I thought, okay. And I didn't know that. I called her twice last week, and she never told me that. But she keeps secrets like that. So <laughs> uh, kind of kind of alarming when your ninety-two-year-old mom is dealing with uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah.
1: Psychologically, talking to your to your your clansmen, uh, how they, how are they dealing with this? Dealing okay. Surprisingly, I'll tell you what, Charles.
2: I asked my mom. She was. I was putting the pieces to the puzzle together. And I said, I get the feeling you almost welcome the, the positive outcome of the test. And she said, I really do. She said, I was so worried about getting it. And now that I know that I have it or had it. And she said, and the symptoms were what they were last week, which were bad, but not debilitating. She said, I'm kind of happy that I've had it. However, Charles and Mike, she also told me that she has been warned that the symptoms could be- come back. COVID-19 could settle back in. Uh, anytime now in the next three months, she said she was told the next one to three months are very critical, which is pretty alarming. Again, 92 years old and you, you want the best for her, but if this comes back, does it come back worse or maybe even less severe? We'll see.
0: You know, it's, it's one of those things, right? Where sometimes you're never going to know where, where you picked it up and it could be anywhere. It could be anything, but it's a lesson <laughs> in trying to be as safe as you can and limit your exposure. Cause it can be like a domino kind of thing.
2: It it can, Mike. And and the reason I was laughing about that was because in this case, uh, the fingers of my family are all pointing to one person. I won't say who that is, but uh, pointing to the one person. And when I heard what had happened, this person was sick prior to that was the reason for getting the test. Uh, But uh, one of my siblings was sick, fever uh, and uh, congestion, coughing, et cetera, et cetera. And fatigue and that's what spurred everybody to get tested because they suddenly started feeling symptoms and uh, so that's that's they kind of know who the carrier was in the family (laughs) kind of the black sheep I guess for Thanksgiving this week but uh, or next week but um, anyhow and it was from getting the family to getting together with other family in uh, our little group and uh, they just they exposed each one another and and uh, yeah, that's that's so, what happened. So no, Greg, 10. but what about mm. you? Well, I'm in Arizona. These people are all in Montana. <laughs>
1: so safe so distance, distance. Distance is good.
2: <laughs> if that isn't socially distant, yeah. I don't know what is. So I'm not too concerned. But we're being. My wife and I just moved uh, two months ago from LA, and uh, we have taken as many precautions as we can, but. One thing we watch, you know, we see what Gavin Newsom is doing in your state, and I just heard what Barbara Ferrer is saying, and I don't know. It seems to me like we need uh, some restrictions similar to what you are in or planning possibly here in Arizona, because our governor hasn't done anything. He hasn't talked at all publicly until just now. I think he was talking today at two o'clock, but the first time since uh, late October. So, and our numbers are are not good here in Arizona.
0: All right. Greg Mills, Greg, thanks. Uh, Best wishes to everybody in in the family there. Greg Mills, long time at CBS2 and KCAL 9.
1: Amid the constant drumbeat of bad news on the coronavirus, there is good news when it comes to vaccines. Pfizer today updating data on its vaccine candidate, and it is overwhelmingly positive. It says it's a 95% effective rate. So how optimistic should we all be?
0: Dr. Peter Hotez, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine, Baylor College in Houston. So just a couple of weeks ago, everybody was saying if we get a vaccine that's 60% effective, that would be great. Now we have a couple, it looks like, that are this high.
3: Yeah, and there's more to follow. We have two uh, what are called adenovirus-based vaccines to follow, and hopefully they'll be good. And we have a vaccine that we just announced that... We're accelerating across uh, India as as a low-cost recombinant protein COVID-19 vaccine. Look, they all work by more or less the same way. They induce an immune response against the spike protein of the virus, which is the part of the virus that binds to our host tissue. So this is kind of an old-school problem in virology. So we had a lot of confidence that this strategy would work. Uh, but now it's nice to get it validated and the fact that it gives such a high level of protection. We don't have that many vaccines that function at the 95 percent level. Uh, the measles vaccine does if you give two doses. So we, you know, we lowered the bar not to not to uh, raise false e- expectations. But this is terrific. And and hopefully now we can start rolling out vaccines. And if we could just keep our populations from doing reckless things over the next uh, few months. I mean, the, there's some tragic numbers coming out of the Institute for Health Metrics in Seattle that projects 150,000 Americans are going to lose their lives between now and February. And those are Americans who do not have to die. And if we could just get them through to the other side, we can get them vaccinated, they could live a normal life. So the message that I've been pushing, other than the excitement of the vaccines and how that's going to roll out, is save your, the life of your mother, your father, your brother and sister, Just hang on a few more months, get them through this, and then we can get them vaccinated.
0: Yeah, this is not, you know, go out and get together because the vaccine's coming. It's hold on for just a few more months to do everything you're supposed to because then the vaccine's coming. Uh, We talked about the effectiveness rate, but there's also the other worry was that, you know, maybe it's just going to work for a younger set or just for an older set. And we'll have to see what happens with these different vaccines. But at least with this Pfizer uh, vaccine, this also works for the older age group, which is the people you want to give the shots to first besides the healthcare workers.
3: Yeah. It, and also it protects against severe disease. It works for older people. And it also they had a pretty high representation of of uh, of uh, minority populations. So they hit the trifecta there. So, so that's great news. I mean, the only thing that could potentially go wrong is the protection is short lived, meaning that it does. It's not very durable. It doesn't last very long. I don't think that'll happen, but that's a possibility. But we won't know that because this is a brand new virus and it's these are brand new technology vaccines for some time. So the message that I've been sending is based on a question I'm always asked, which is something like, hey, doc or Dr. Hotez, which vaccine are you waiting for? And the answer is I'm not waiting. I will all of these vaccines work by inducing immune responses to the spike protein. Uh, There's there's still things we don't know about each of the vaccines. We're, going, we're entering a horrible phase right now. We're entering a phase where uh, lots of people can lose their lives or wind up in an intensive care unit. And the one thing that will protect you other than the masks and the social distancing is having virus neutralizing antibodies in your system, which is how all these vaccines work. You mean, so you- any vaccine that's made available to me that's authorized by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, I will take it. Uh, Even if it turns out later I didn't select the best vaccine or I wasn't offered the best vaccine, it doesn't matter. Those virus-neutralizing antibodies will still save your life or save the life of your loved ones. And if it turns out that better vaccines have come along, so what? You get a booster later on, but take what you can get.
1: All right. But you mentioned that we won't know for quite some time how long these vaccines, especially the first two, uh, are going to be protective. These trials are... Two years, usually. What happens to all the people in the trials?
3: Well, all the people in the trials. First of all, the the ones who were randomized to placebo, they're now offered the vaccine, so they're all vaccinated and they're followed for uh, for up to two years. So they'll be monitored. Remember, there's a pretty in addition to the trials, the FDA and CDC combined have a pretty elaborate system of monitoring vaccine safety and efficacy, and it's, they've been doing this for decades. So all of that will be will be uh, watched. Uh, very closely. Uh, So it's not like the vaccine is just released and then there you go. Also, remember Pfizer is asking for emergency use authorization, which will likely be granted. They're still going to go through the full approval process. It's just, you know, with 2,000 Americans dying every day, which is where we'll be by January to wait the other another six months or almost a year for the full approval, too many Americans would lose their lives.
1: So that's the reason behind the EUA.
0: Dr. Peter Hotz, Dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine, Baylor College of Medicine in Houston.
1: The research out of the University of Copenhagen in Denmark looking to prove that wearing face masks could cut infection rates in half among mask wearers. But the results? Disappointing. And the great face mask debate? of 2020 continues.
0: Dr. Angela Rasmussen, virologist at the Georgetown Center for Global Health, Science and Security. So doctor, take us through what the researchers have found and what the study actually means.
4: So this study was a randomized controlled trial um, in which people were given either face masks or not um, and asked to wear them in their communities uh, in a time in Denmark when very few people were wearing face masks. And then they looked to see um, if any of those people ended up contracting coronavirus. So they found that there wasn't really a huge difference between the group that wore masks and did not wear masks, but it's really important to understand the limitations of this study. So the cases of coronavirus in both groups of subjects um, who are participating in this study uh, were really self-reporting their own coronavirus results. So that may be somewhat unreliable. In addition to that, it's very difficult to say if people were all wearing their their masks in the same way, in the same circumstances. So, again, um, this this study is, uh, I think, not very informative and it has a lot of limitations. It's by no means conclusive proof that masks don't work.
1: That said, you know, as well as I do, that there are people who don't want to wear masks who are going to say, ah, everybody is always saying, you know, stick with the science. Well, now we've got some science and the study says they don't really work.
4: Yeah, that's that's a huge problem, Charles. And uh, I think the, the best way to refute this is to point out that just because something is a peer-reviewed scientific study doesn't always mean that it's right. And the conclusion of this study is really not that masks don't work. It's that in this particular study, there wasn't a 50% difference in reduction in cases, which was the actual endpoint that the study authors were looking for. So, um, really, more than anything, this study's negative data. But you're right that misinformation about this topic is is common. And I think that people will take it out of context and and start using this as justification for not wearing masks. So, it's really on scientists to communicate the limitations of this study and what it really does and does not tell us.
1: Okay. So, with that in mind, so I'm saying you're a patient. And I don't want to wear a mask. And I say, but doctor, this study out of Copenhagen, it kind of raises real doubts in my mind about the efficacy of wearing a mask in terms of protecting me. So other than pointing out the limitations of the study, can you counter that argument with more science that says "Eh, not so fast?
4: Yeah, I think I can. Um, So certainly in hospital settings, healthcare worker settings, masks have been shown to reduce transmission pretty significantly. And that's uh, in healthcare workers, again, who are around people who are shedding large amounts of virus, um, that masks do work, uh, at least for source control. So preventing people from spreading it to others. They may also have some efficacy, depending on the type of mask, at protecting the person wearing it. So I would point to all of those studies, as well as some other studies that have been done that actually showed that respiratory droplets coming through a mask had fewer virus, uh, infectious viruses in them. Um, I can provide a large body of literature to counter that one study.
0: So it kind of seems like we're back to where we started. You wear one. It protects people around you in case you are sick. It might protect you to a lesser extent. Um, And that's a good thing, too.
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, And I still, you know, in spite of these results, uh, myself and all the other public health professionals that I know are continuing to recommend that people wear masks as one measure that they can take, among others, to reduce transmission risk.
1: So the solution is we just have to stop doing these studies.
4: (laughs) I think the solution is not so much that we stop having to do these studies, but that we start reporting on them in a way that's more responsible, like this interview, for example, um, actually asking somebody. What do these results mean? And sharing that with your listeners.
0: And that is why we had you on. Dr. Angela Rasmussen, virologist, Georgetown Center for Global Health, Science and Security.
1: Google Maps is rolling out a new feature called the COVID layer. It lets you check out how many COVID-19 cases are in a certain area. It's like a real-time heat map on top of Google Maps, but for coronavirus cases. You can also find out how busy a restaurant or grocery store is at certain times, so you can avoid large crowds.
0: KYW's Matt Leon spoke with the Google tech expert Justin Burr about the tech.
5: Explain what this COVID layer for Google Maps is all about.
6: Yeah, we're trying to keep people informed, keep people safe, and just give them as much information around the pandemic as possible. So we just introduced the COVID nineteen layer in Google Maps, and what that's going to do, it's going to give you the seven day average of new COVID cases per one hundred thousand people for your area of the map. And then also, to starting today, we're adding two new functionalities to that feature, and that is all-time detected cases, you can see that also in Google Maps, and then quick links to authoritative local resources. So in order to see that, just open up Google Maps, and then on the up, upper right side of the screen, there's like, two, there's like two squares on top of each other. Click into that, it's going to show you all the different layers that we have available, one of them being the COVID-19 layer. It's also going to show you then when you click into that, where we're getting that information from. And then after that, it's going to overlay all the information onto Google Maps, and it's also color-coded based on severity and density. You can zoom in and out to see its state local even you know country and world type levels as well so you can make better decisions around where the coronavirus is most severe if you're traveling or if you're just staying at home this holiday season
5: and there's it also looks like it's weaving in information about peak hours for stores and what's available travel wise and how people are traveling
6: yeah, exactly. So from, from a store perspective, if you want to search for the grocery store or some sort of a restaurant in Google Maps by doing that, you can click in there and it's going to show you anonymized aggregate data based on how busy in real time that store is at that time. And also say you want to plan your visit in the future. You want to go to a grocery store sometime on Wednesday. If you don't know exactly when you want to go. It'll show you historical data trends based on traffic there and it can show you exactly when is the peak crowdedness time and when is the not peak crowded time. And we're also extending that functionality to not only stores and indoor areas, but also parks and outdoor areas as well. So you can kind of decide when the best places to go and see that real-time feature of crowdedness. And then beyond that, at the, at the actual businesses themselves, you can see if they've added any information around the health and safety protocols they've been taking. So certain businesses are saying they've been sanitizing between customers, their safety dividers at checkout, things like that. And that's all in Google Maps to just kind of help you avoid crowds and stay informed.
5: Where's the COVID data come from? It's from multiple sources if I read correctly, right? It is.
6: Yep, the variety of, of local or a variety of trusted medical and authoritative sources. there's like five or six and once you click into the actual layer, it'll show you where it's specifically getting that information from. Um, but yeah, it's a variety of different re- reputable sources.
5: Is this updated every 24 hours? Is it a constant rolling update as far as the information is concerned?
6: I think, it, yeah, it depends on the sources that we're actually getting it from. As long as their stuff is updated, our stuff is updated as well, because we're just pulling it from that. So if they're updating every 24 hours, our will ours will be as well. But it is the most up-to-date information that we have available, depending on how quickly they actually update it. But it's basically in real time.
5: And this is something that... You kind of talked about, but if I just open Google Maps, I don't have to add anything. I don't have to purchase anything. This is just life with Google Maps now.
6: 100%. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to update anything. You don't have to purchase anything. It's already the functionality is already included in that. And you can just click into the layers feature, which is on the right side of the screen. There's like two boxes on top of each other. And then, yeah, just, just have that overlay of the COVID-19 layer on there.
5: We've talked a lot about in podcasts the ripple effects of the pandemic. Uh, and things that have come about as a result of it. Do you see the once the pandemic is over, and rumor has it one day it will be over? Uh, do you see uses for this, where this can be what you guys have done here, be used down the road in other ways?
6: That's a good question. Well, I think okay, so all the stuff related to the businesses and local businesses, and when you want to visit them, and when is crowd, when's crowded, and when's not. That's actually been in Google Maps for quite some time. So that functionality will remain. As it account relates to like different illness layers on Google Maps, it depends. I guess, you know, hopefully we'll never have to incur another situation in which that is necessary. But yeah, I could see that we could build upon that maybe for the flu season or something like that. Can't say any of that is in the works, but as it relates to what businesses are, are crowded and when the best time to visit those is, yeah, the, that functionality has been there and will
5: remain. Is it easier to do stuff like this for bigger cities than it is for smaller towns just because of the availability of, of information, like, you know, I'm, I'm imagining it's easier to get numbers from Philadelphia than it is from a small town in Kansas.
6: hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's right. When it comes down to, you know, the accuracy of the information that we're giving individuals, it comes down to the specificity of the data. So yes, wherever there's data coming Wherever there is the abundance of data coming from, we'll have a little bit more accurate stuff there. But again, if you go into Google Maps, you can like zoom in and out and it'll continue to give you more granular data as we have it, as you continue to zoom in. And if you zoom out, there's more data available as well there. So it's kind of an interactive thing. It's difficult to say what areas are more accurate than others or more specificity than others because it does depend on data. But you can do that in real time just on Google Maps.
1: Health officials across the country pleading with Americans not to have large gatherings Thanksgiving. Instead, families are being encouraged to connect virtually by having Zoom Thanksgiving dinner, and it seems like the video communications company is listening. Zoom announced on Thanksgiving Day it's getting rid of the 40-minute time limit it usually has on its free meetings so your virtual family dinner doesn't get interrupted or cut off. The tech company also recently added tools to let you block anyone who disrupts your meeting A helpful tip for those with an uncle who likes to get drunk and goes on a rant about politics on
0: holidays. (laughs) And if you were hoping the time limit is still there, just tell them that it is. And we got to be out of here. In and out in half an hour, guys. (laughs) Cut the turkey. Uh, You can listen to us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.